Hey, sexy folks. How's your day today? Hope it's awesome. Welcome to the Hangry and Horny Podcast. This is your host, Tony Flow Real. I am sponsored by, or the show is sponsored by DroppingFBomb.com. They make amazing nut butters. If you're into that kind of thing, which I am because they're healthy fats that make me smart. Or at least I feel that way. And fats are just an important part of our nutrition. They make up our cell membranes and they coat our nervous system and our brain. And do all kinds of things like give us amazing clean energy. So if you're interested in eating some amazing nut butters that you can use on the go. And these awesome shot packets that you can tear away the top. Go to dropinfbomb.com and check out their selections of macadamia nut butters. They have pecan version. They have one with sea salt. It's one of my favorites. They have a coconut one, which is also one of my favorites. And when I'm feeling like I want a, a nice, very low sugar treat, they have a salted chocolate version. So go to dropinfbomb.com. Use the code word FLOWREAL at your checkout, and I'll give you 20% off of your first order. They also have MCT oils for those that want to put that on your salad or into your coffee for some quick brain fuel. They have an avocado oil version, and they have an olive oil version. So go to fatbomb.com or dropinfbomb.com and order yourself some delicious fat. My next guest is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for many years. We are fascinated by the idea of living in flow states consistently in our lives. And that's the place of being where you feel you're most alive, where it becomes timelessness. There's a sense of time dilation where time either speeds up or slows down. You feel super sharp and you feel like yourself. So my next guest is Jordana Adler. She is trained in psychology and all things of the brain and neurosciences. She is a neurofeedback technician and she's just fascinated with all things that enable us to be our best and she goes by the mantra i think it's evolution directed so give it up for my next guest on hangry and horny jordana adler Mwah. Jordana Adler, what's happening? Welcome Hi. to Hangry and Horny. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for hosting me at your place here in Santa Cruz, California. You're very welcome. Yeah, so we have a history of loving flow and all things flow, flow states. 
True statement. Yeah, and we met through the, uh, I guess it was Flow Hacker Nation, Mm -hmm. put together by the Flow Genome Project, Yep. who was co-founded by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. So Stephen wrote the book Rides as Superman, and Jamie just recently co-wrote the book with Stephen called Stealing Fire. So this was like a couple years ago, right? Um, I read Rise, Rise of Superman... When did I read that? Probably, I think, February of 2014. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's going to get close to, like, four years. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, time is obviously... Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. So, um, what was... What brought you into that arena of, like, flow and peak performance and peak psychology? Yeah. Good question. Um, So, uh... Ah, long story. Um, but yeah, so um, as I graduated college, uh, my mother passed away. And um, super long story. Um, but from there, I kind of got this, you know, oomph to like travel and like go and like do do new things. And I was living in North Carolina at the time where I grew up. And um, I someone introduced me to snowboarding. Um, and I just fell in love with it. Like absolutely fell in love. Like hands down, because I'm short or what the issue is, but I just loved it. Um, and I noticed that it was the only thing in the morning, especially after my mom died, it was really hard for me to get up in the morning. Um, and this was the only thing that I would literally just roll out of bed, put my clothes on and like get, I was just like, it was amazing. I'd like watched myself get up and get out of bed. And I was like, obviously there's something subconsciously that I love about this. Um, so I ended up picking everything up and moving to Colorado, um, to snowboard. <laughs> um, so I lived in Colorado for a while snowboarding. Were and there then, actually snowboarding in North Carolina? No, okay. no, no, no. I had gone to Colorado, actually, um, with a family. I'd gone with someone I knew on their trip. They like, invited me on a trip that they were going with their friends, and I went with them, and I learned to snowboard. So all of them were snowboarding, and I got like a lesson. Um, and then I went with my dad's old college buddy was bringing some kids or something to Colorado. So we went and met them and he was kind of teaching me. And that's what it was. It was like three days into snowboarding and it all clicked. Like something clicked. It was like this, something happened, something clicked. And I was like, this is cool. You know, I just loved it. And then I noticed I was getting up every morning super early. Okay. So when you say click, like this goes into what our interest in Mm. learning things as well. And in regards to flow. So, right. I remember, so he was guiding me on toe side and heel side edge, like when to turn, when to, when to go to heels, when to go toes. And that's what helped. There was something um, somatically, something kind of um, physically that was like my body got it. It got when it was supposed to go. Um, and then what happened from there was then it became this like, in some ways, like a dance, I guess is the best word to use. Um, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Like there's like this... I'm following something, right? You know, and this so sort of, of S turns down yep. the mountain. Yep, exactly. Right. And I was like, "This is cool." You know, this is fun. Um, and like I said, subconsciously, something in me just loved it. And I think it was also being in nature. You know, when I'm from North Carolina, I'm from Raleigh, and like, not that there isn't nature around because there is, but it's hard to be immersed in it. Like, it's not like here, like the Pacific Ocean's just there. Like, you have to drive to get to the ocean. You've got to park and walk long distance in the sand to get to the water. Like, nature isn't as um, 
uh, ubiquitous. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. There's trees around, obviously, but right. it wasn't like this massive uh, set of trees that you could get right. lost. And you, yeah, and, and, and play in. Mm. Um, and snow also has this very quiet, uh, serene quality that I really liked. Right. Um, and it was like, I go snowboarding, you come home, and it was like, it was still early in the day. It's like three o'clock. And I'm like, whoa, look at all the stuff that I've done. I've been out in nature. I physically moved. And I enjoyed it. You know, I, w- I grew up going to gyms my whole life. Um, and every type of physical activity very often was kind of, you know, I mean, I did other sports, but physical activity was usually linked to like, you know, going to a gym or being inside. Okay. Um, it wasn't. And I also did a lot of team sports growing up. So I never did anything where I could do it on my own. Like I could go snowboarding by myself. I could go with other people or I could do it by myself. And it was super fun either way. Um, So I think I really liked both of those aspects. The fact that I was out in nature, the fact that I, well, three things. I was out in nature. I could physically do things, but it was, it was fun. There wasn't like a competition, you know, it was like a game, but the point was to have fun. You know, it wasn't like an end goal. Yeah, to play. It wasn't like you have to win a competition or win first place or beat someone else. I mean, it was just for fun, for the sake of fun, right, Flo? For the sake of it itself, autotelic. Autotelic, right. Um, And then, uh, yeah, then the third thing, what was I going to (laughs) say? Uh... It was outside. It, I could do it by myself. Um, movement. Movement. Yeah. Um, sure, there was something else in there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you went to Colorado. You got the bug. Something switched on. You felt yeah. alive. And then um, you went back to North Carolina. Finished school at North Carolina, like Tar Heels. What I already yes, Tar Heels. I'd already finished. At that okay, point, you already yes. finished. Okay, yep. your mom had had passed away at that point. Yeah. And so you were like, okay, I need to f- get out of here. I want to experience something new. Snowboarding was sort of the ticket. And so you decide to pick up, take everything, and go all the way to Colorado. Yeah. You didn't even know anybody. Nope. Didn't have a job. I knew. I knew one person. I'd known a girl who was dating, her boyfriend lived like right outside of um, Aspen, which is where I ended up moving. And so I went to visit her and her boyfriend. Super long story, her boyfriend's dad died the day before my mom died. So it was like, and we were both actually going on a trip to Israel um, like a week later. So it was like, it was a very like, like obviously her and I were connected and I went to visit her there. And then when I went to Colorado the first time, I was like, this is amazing. This is just beautiful. And then something in me was like, yeah, I mean, it was just weird. It was a weird time in my life where I felt like um, nothing could go wrong. Like I was just like I could do anything and it would work out somehow. So when Um. you say (laughs) something inside of you, what was that? What told you like, hey, I need to go this direction? Had you had travel experience before? I had traveled before, um, but nowhere else that I had been to did I feel like I could live there. Colorado, for some reason, really felt like I could live there. Um, and it was a place I wanted to live. Um, I think when I remember I landed and it was so open and vast and the mountains were so there. It was just like there was something about that environment that felt energizing, um, exciting. Um, and the people were great. You know, I just I felt like I could of all the places I had been. This was the place that I felt. Yeah, if I could go anywhere, this is where I would go. Right. Um, And I think I had a life coach at the time. And at the time, she was so helpful and supportive. Like anything I thought I could do, she made sure I believed I could. Okay. You know, so I think that was also part of probably why I had that oomph to like, yeah, I could do it. You know, I didn't have I didn't even worry. 
yeah, and I and I loved it. I mean, it was great. And you had, uh, what did you study at North Carolina? Uh, psychology was my major and women's studies was my minor. Okay. I like gender, gender studies was really interesting to me, like gender communication. Okay. So you ended up in Colorado and you have a life coach. Did you have a life coach um, for like, what, what prompted you to, to want to have someone that you could get advice from? Yeah, that actually... Um, So my life coach's ex-husband at the time was my parents' lawyer for when my mom was um, doing her will before she passed away. So my mom was getting chemo treatments. Um, My parents had never done like a will, like an official one, or hadn't signed one or whatever it was. So this guy came over, um, helped. I mean, I was there in the room, like helping, you know, my parents kind of go through that process. Um, And he had said to her, said to me, you know, I have somebody that I think would be a great person for her to speak with who's been through multiple chemo treatments. It was his ex-wife. Um, and I just think that she would be a great person to connect with. Um, so I called her. And my mom, of all the places, she would go to the hospital for chemo treatments and go to this woman's house. That was it. The only places she would go outside of the house. Um, and this woman was just absolutely amazing. Apparently, my parent they grew up in the same part of New York. And they were just, they looked similar. They were just really like kind of like a bond made between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So after my mom passed, um, she actually came to me and asked me if she could coach me. She requested. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's all these like synchronicities. So yeah. as we get deeper into our flow conversation, yeah. like how certain things give us like signs or signals, you know, yeah. and like kind of leads us or leads us clues. And so here's a, a person that showed up in your mom's life that like provided support. Yeah. So they're from a similar place in New York or was it the same neighborhood or? Uh, I think it was the same. It was both in Queens, I think, or something okay. of the sort. Yeah. yeah. And they like kind of look similar. Yeah. So they could like really relate. Your mom probably felt like a sense of like support and bond yeah. uh, during that time and transition. And so after that, she passes, and then this lady comes to you and says, hey, I want to be able to be your, like, life coach. Like, how did she approach that? Essentially, yeah. She's like, I want to, she was a life coach um, after going through, like, 32 surgeries for breast cancer. I mean, she had been through, like, absolute hell for this, to, like, for her life. She's actually one of the people, like, when people have a birthday, I say congratulations, because that's, she's the one who started that. It's a congratulations. She didn't think she'd be alive. The fact that she was even this age, she's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm alive you know right um and she has experience to back the life coaching oh yeah like not just somebody just takes like some weekend courses like oh i'm a life coach now i right. have every right or every uh way uh tools to help you with your own life and they've never like seen shit or hell in their own life right so yeah well her she i remember she would always say she's dedicated her life to this i mean she did she consciously dedicated her life to supporting other people and the name of her coaching practice was to life so the concept was that it's you know to life like like life itself you know and like appreciating life and going out and living life um i think because she was so close to death you know you have a diff that different appreciation um so i think when she saw she have felt obviously understood that bond with my mom and then i think there was she also lost her mother at a young age so both her and my mom both lost their mothers at a young age at around the same age, I lost my mom. Wow. So there was a lot of like, she saw, I think, herself and me, I assume, um, and was like, I really want to support you. You know, will you let me? Um, and I, of course, at that point, I was like, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, 
I was <laughs> was like, any help, you know, yeah, feel free to help. So she's um, been through the ringer and back. She actually has the experience of uh, going through challenges and then yeah. coming out the other side and then saw herself in yeah. you, perhaps. Yeah. And so what was that like um, having her as like somewhat of a, a support system and a guide? Yeah, it was really helpful. Um supportive and helpful is the best phrase and kind of like I mean like a coach right someone who really has like cheer is cheering you on like things that I would maybe be nervous or scared about to do on my own it's like you've got a coach in your corner who um for me at the time was much obviously much older than me um had a lot of different life experience than I did and who had been through something similar that I had been through so because of that I really trusted her um and if she thought I could do it I could do it You know, it didn't matter whether, I mean, it, yeah, supportive, I guess, you know, like really having someone that's cheering for you. And what exactly was she talked to you about, per se, just like go over how you're feeling today? Like, what is it that you see yourself doing in the future? What what was her role besides the support? Just someone to talk to that was more neutral than like a family member and friend like um she actually was what i remember i mean this was a while ago um what i remember 10 years ago was she was really it was so different than therapy you know i had a psychology degree and and i understood what therapists did and i'd had therapists before um like through my mom's chemo treatments and stuff i did um but she was a little bit more um, focused kind of on, like she would really pay attention to the words that I used. So if I had said like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, um, I can't do this or this always happens. She goes, so what? Now what? Okay, that has been what happened. Now what's going to happen? Like really, like was really conscious about the language that I used and how I framed the past, the present, and the future. So she had a way to reflect back to you your patterns. Yeah. And, and interrupt them in a way that you could go, oh shit, like I'm telling myself an old story. Yes. And like I, I can actually create a new story from this point. Yep, exactly. And just, just from the sake of, me doing it. I mean, it wasn't anything changed on the outside. It was just kind of like, instead of saying, well, I'm always like this. I've always been like this. She would come back and be like, you have been like that. And now what do you want to be like? You know, and and really kind of really showed me the power really, to be quite honest, of of that mental um, shifting and of that meant just the power of the words that you use to describe your current situation, the future and yourself, your self identity, mm. like even help me kind of play around with that. Um, you know, playing around with, well, let's just this week, let's just what if this was this? What if this was true about you? You know, for this week, let's see what happens. And it was a lot more. I remember at that time, I, had, I felt like I could play a lot more like I didn't feel um, play in terms of like my self identity. Like I could play with it, and then I had someone to come back with, and it was like an experiment. Ooh, this is what happened this week when I walked into that situation, and this is how I felt, you know, rather than focusing on, well, this is always the way it is. You know, what if I just played around with, okay, this is how I want it to be. So what if that's the way it is now? And then I'd walk in and just act that way and see what happened. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. What 
um, what were you like before you like came out to like Colorado? Could you had every reason to be depressed, which I'm sure you were, and like grieving. Um, but did you like you could have just sat around, you could have just locked yourself in a room, just stayed in North Carolina. Like, what was it, you know, that pulled you out of that like sort of dark time of your life, you know, when your mom passed? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because my remembrance is I remember laying there, you know, and not being able to get up and and having a lot of that, especially because so my mom's funeral is my graduation day of college. So what ended up happening was a lot of my friends, this was like the culmination of their entire lives, basically, right? Kindergarten through college. And I was going through something completely different than the rest of them. So that was that within itself was hard because I could only rely really on a couple friends, like literally a handful of people who were able and willing to go through that process with me at that time. Just to hold that with me um, to this day. I mean, I, I remember them and I'm so grateful for those friends. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with the people that couldn't because there's no I mean, it was totally understandable. I mean, they, they were had their own lives and their own celebrations and their own situations. Um, but that within itself made it almost even more difficult because it was kind of this, like, I felt very alone at that time. Like everyone else's, every, all my friends, all my peers were going through a completely different experience than I was. Um, yeah, they're celebrating, they're graduating, they're going to the next phase. Yeah. You've had both things happen at once. So that, yeah. that's kind of mixed. You know, I think I got a little lucky in the sense that my father, with his work, traveled a lot. So at that point, he I got to travel with him for work. Um, so I got to travel a bit, and that was really helpful because it got me out of that space for a bit. So I got to kind of see, okay, there's other things to the world. There's other people in other situations and in life. And when you travel, you know, there's a little bit – it's kind of weird because you're around so many people, but there's a little bit of this self – this is my experience. There was a little bit of kind of this self – um, identity and some well, sounds weird, but um, when you're because you're around so many people, you're kind of like I'm going through what I'm going through, and then you get there, you have all these experiences, new people, new food. Um, but then I would come home, and I would have the same exactly that issue. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to get up. So when you traveled, it pulled you outside of yourself. Yeah, and then you come back home, you're back in, but it gave you a contrast, a perspective, yeah, a buffer for a time being, so that. You weren't just locked in your box when right. you're back home. You're like, hey, there's this other possibility of, of a, another identity of myself that yeah. I can step into. Yeah, and I also have to put in there that my mom had was going through chemo treatments for about three months. So those treatments also, my dad and I were basically not sleeping. Like I had to take medicine just to fall asleep. And whenever the medicine wore off, I woke up. So it was like I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. Um, for about three months before this. So because of that, that was such a hard time within itself um, that there was this very odd, like, now I don't have all of that in front of me. And it almost felt like, and I didn't have school. <laughs> I was like, you know, everything that organized my consciousness before that was gone. You know, worrying about family, worrying about my mom, worrying about schoolwork. Now, suddenly I had way too much. And then right in an instant, almost, I had nothing. Yeah, so in that, like, stress that you were dealing with, it, yeah. it may have been, like, chaotic, but there was, there was like, some sort of order to it. Yeah. And then when everything was gone, like, you finished school, your mom passed away, then it, it became, like, this huge, like, gaping unknown, 
and and yeah. you're, you're just like, uh, what's what am I gonna do now? And on top of it, I had gotten like dean's list pretty much every semester in college. I started magazines in school. Like I was super involved. I did all this stuff, and then it was like you have a life event that happens, like your parent dies, and you're like, great, I did super well in school, and I don't feel prepared for this at all. So you had purpose, but then all of a sudden the rugs pulled from you. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, now what? Like, I did super well in what I was supposed to do, but now I'm going through an event that I don't feel prepared for. Like, there was no life skills that felt like I was taught um, to help me with that. So I did feel a little a little lost, which is why um, her name was Rivka, my, my life coach. That's why she was so helpful, I think, at that time. Um, and I think what drew me to Colorado was, you know, it it was like, okay, let's move forward. I mean, do something else. But really, honestly, at the end of the day, the decision really was made because snowboarding was the only thing that got me up in the morning. Right. I mean, really, I think that that was there was something about it. Um, and bring it back to even the rise of Superman. What happened was that that drew me there. I obviously fell in love with snowboarding. Super long story again. Um, ended up moving back to North Carolina because my friend and I had won this $15,000 to start this nonprofit in North Carolina. So I was like, oh my God, we won first place in this big competition. Um, and so I ended up moving back to North Carolina. And then I had the same problem again. I couldn't get up in the morning, even though before in Colorado, I was fine. <laughs> right. And then in North Carolina, the same problem. Um, and then yoga was the only thing that would get me up, get me up in the morning. Okay. Um, so what happened was when I got to grad school, um, I was um, trying to decide, okay, what am I going to study in my field work? You know, I have to make a decision. You know, I'm supposed to let my subconscious decide. I'm supposed to like kind of figure out what am I supposed to be doing, you know? So I'm like, ah, da, da. And then I remember I was actually doing my first 10-day fast. Um, and so when you do a fast, um, I did the master cleanse. And you suddenly have a lot more time <laughs> on your hands. Yeah, it's pretty trippy, right? Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you don't have to think about food, prepare food, yep. other than just the lemon, cayenne pepper, and with yep. the ginger and, um, and lemon, maple syrup. Ca- maple syrup. Yeah. There might have been. I don't think there was ginger in there. Okay. Um, there might have been, but I don't, I don't. But that was it, right? Yeah, there wasn't was much to prepare. So right. you're basically sipping this throughout the day and you have all this time, like free mental energy. You don't have to think about food. I didn't have to like eat and then like work out because of the eat. Like it would, there was like, there was this battle. Yeah. All of that was gone. Okay. <laughs> now suddenly I was like, now what? Yeah. So what happened then? Um, I was, I was trying to understand. I was like, well, there's something about snowboarding and yoga that seems to like be interesting, but I don't, I, you know. And I think, trying to remember how I, I think I was like on, on my iPad or something, because I didn't have TV, and I was on my iPad, and I think there was Netflix or something, or I don't know what I was looking at, and there was this movie, I think it was called The Art of Flight. Mm-hmm. It was, um, yeah, it was The Art of Flight. And I watched that, and from there, I followed a little trail to find the rise of Superman, because... Um, God, I'm so sad I'm blanking on his name right now. Snowboarder. Travis Rice. Travis Rice. Um, so I was like, I'd never heard of Travis Rice. Maybe I had of him before, but I don't, whatever it was, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And then I followed the links, you know, at the end. And I just kind of did this little thing. And then suddenly I found Rise of Superman. And I was like, oh. And it wasn't very expensive to download it on my iPad. So I went ahead and, again, all this time, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do something to like fill up this time. And so then I started reading it. 
And I was like, that's it. It's flow. That's what it is. This is the thing that I seems to get me up in the morning subconsciously. This right. isn't something that I'm consciously saying because even I would mentally be like, I don't really want to go. But there was something in me that would get up and do it anyway. You kind of find yourself like being pulled in some ways. Like yeah. it, it was almost like a, another thing was pulling you, your body yep. out of the bed Correct. You know, especially Correct. like one of those like cold mornings and it's wet. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't feel you're like tired, you're sore. Yep. But it's still like something just pulls you out like the way a child jumps out of bed. Exactly. So when you were studying psychology, did you guys tap in, uh, go into uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's nope. flow book or any of that, that happiness nope. study? Or Nope. The only thing I was close to that was I worked for a positive psychologist. Um, in, in college. Um, her name was Barbara Fredrickson. Actually, it's funny. She actually, there was a first year seminar and she was putting on and I think I was already a junior at the time. And so I emailed her and I'm like, I know I'm not allowed to come in, but can I just like sit <laughs> and like listen to you talk, you know, because her work seems so interesting. Um, and she's like, no, you can't. But if you want, you can, you know, be a you know, independent study in my lab you know, and, and do the lab work that nobody else wants to do. And I was like, sounds great. Um, so I ended up working with her um, and for her at that time. So I was interested in positive psychology. Um, but that's, to me, so different than flow. Um, and even, I mean, yeah, peak performance. Um, but no, I don't think I was ever interested in it or it was never, it never came across my path of something that I can like saliently think of. Like that was something that I, I was interested in, not even close. Okay. So yeah. you, you tap into this book mm -hmm. and now it gave you a direction for your master's studies. Yeah. It helped, um, my first summer of field work, it helped kind of guide and then eventually my second summer, but really my first summer I was like, okay, I'm going to study this concept of flow. Um, what is it, you know, I just wanted to know about it. And someone else in grad school told me about um, Mihail Csikszentmihalyi. She actually gave me her book from grad school, her other grad school she had been through with all the highlights in it. So I read that one. And of course, was like, yes, <laughs> you know, thank you. Like, like his language was exactly the language that I thought and spoke. You know, that was it was just a great book for me. Um, and then from there, it was, I mean, I've read many. Of, and then it really what I found out in there I was interested in was this concept of embodiment mm -hmm. um, and also altered states of consciousness um, and how in qualia, which is what I talk about a lot, the neuroscientific term for um, uh, the quality of an experience. And that's what I felt like it was doing. It was like there was this quality that would happen even after snowboarding. During snowboarding, I mean, it was amazing. You'd be on the lift and you're freezing cold, like freezing cold. And the second you get off that lift, suddenly I'm fine. Like it, it and I knew it mentally, but there was something subconscious going on. Um, and I think in psychology and in, in undergrad, I got interested in that subconscious versus consciousness um, interplay, which is why when I was studying depth psychology in grad school, that was the perfect the perfect thing to study because right I mean flow we're talking about consciousness versus the unconscious versus the mind and the body so to me that felt like a perfect combination for grad school to study that's cool and so yoga also gave you this sense that mm -hmm. uh, you were looking for that you couldn't get in snowboarding like how did you discover yoga when you went back to North Carolina yeah um, there was a yoga class at the gym I went to um, and there was this one teacher who was just great um, and she also had at the end, she'd always say like these like little, um, she would read from a book and it always was very, I just, I loved it. 
Um, and then one day I, in my head, I'm like, God, I just want to know more about this. Year. I want to be able to do it on my own. I remember I was listening to a podcast in my house and I'm like, I need to know more about this so that I don't have to rely on someone else to, to guide me through it because I noticed how much I liked it. And I noticed that it was giving me something similar to snowboarding when I couldn't go snowboarding. Like I had to find something else. Um, and so I ended up being like, oh, I'm really interested. And then I think the next time I went to class, she's like, oh, I'm doing a student teacher training. And, and I was like, you know, I guess I'll inquire about it. And then I, you know, the rest is history in that regard. Um, and now I'm so grateful because now I can do it anytime I want, anywhere I want. I don't have to rely on someone else. Yeah. Or a piece of equipment per se. Right. right. Yeah. There's no equipment. Yeah, I can do it anywhere. Yeah, All I need is my body. body. Right. So there's a breathing component that ties in with mm. the attention component. Mm. So and flow has a lot of those those triggers that bring people into the like present moment where they're no, no longer thinking about the fear of the future or like the the guilt of the past per se. You know, so I think that's one of the reasons I like snowboarding and yoga. So both of them do this. So. Um, First snowboarding, I I have a wireless Bluetooth in my in my helmet um, for music. Wow, um, which I had from the beginning, which was a super lucky purchase on my part, a really intelligent lucky purchase. And one thing I noticed is when people would call, I could answer the phone on my helmet. Well, as soon as I did that, I would fall every single time, and I was like, that's so weird, <laughs> like like instantaneously, right? Like instant feedback, and I thought that was super weird. Now, in, in yoga, it's a similar thing. Obviously, I'm not answering the phone. But if my mind is not fully present on that present moment, I, you will fall, hands down. Again, instantaneously. And it's that instant feedback um, that I got super interested in with yoga and with snowboarding. Yeah, could you be balancing like on an edge in snowboarding or like on one foot in yoga? Mm -hmm. And then you would think outside of what you were doing mm -hmm. and then fall right over. Away right away and you go and that's how you learn right you're like oh that was weird yeah and so you learn like you a learn, baby yeah exactly learn how to walk. yeah exactly um so you learn over time how to guide your attention and how to keep it focused and what to think about um and that's that would always every single time make me successful in snowboarding and it would make me successful i mean i never did tricks and those big things in snowboarding i just like to do big mountain riding but it's similar i mean it's the same thing of where to go you know everywhere you look in snowboarding is where you go even if you look up the mountain often you'll kind of like go up a little bit <laughs> like it's like the same thing like in yoga it's like if i look and focus somewhere as long as i can focus and stay mentally focused i can hold that pose and i would surprise myself so that that play, that interplay with attention, the effects on my body, um, and that instant feedback. I mean, talk about flow. The instant feedback is really was fascinating to me. Um, yeah. Uh, let's go back again. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking about your choice or your decision, a moment to leave North Carolina to go to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that moment? Like what? like prompted you to like get up and pack all your stuff and go like how was that process for you well I think my life coach at the time had asked me she said if there's anywhere in the world you could move to where would you move and I sat there and I said Colorado like that intuitively that of all the places I had traveled to and been at that point that's what came up for me as the number one place and then I think she said okay you should do that or something of the sort. And I was like, because I just love snowboarding at that point. And I just wanted to do it more. 
And I guess at that point, I had done so much in school. I'd done all these things. And it was like, why not? What mm. else am I doing? You right, know, I mean, right. I, there I was in a, a sense like I need to get a job now. I need to do this or that. I need to no. get my life in order first before I do these fun things. No, I got a little lucky is not the right word because everyone has their own journey and their own path. My parents were the way that they were. They raised me the way that they did. Um, and it it was more um, it was more just like, what do I want to do in life? You know, what's the next step that I want to, what in life, it's like, I didn't have to figure all of it out. It was just like, what do I want to do next? And that was it. Um, and her, actually, I was going to say her support and knowing I could get a job. I mean, it was, I mean, that's how I got a job. I couldn't believe it. They didn't even need anyone. And I basically went in there and was like, I want to work here at this five star, five diamond hotel. And the guy ended up hiring me to work there. And that's where I wanted to work. And I was like mentally convinced that I was, I was going to, I was going to happen. Not in a, like a weird, arrogant way, just in a way of like, this is really where I want to work and I'm dedicated to it. If it didn't work out, but I didn't even think that it wouldn't work out. Like in my head, I found a place on Craigslist. I moved there and I got a job like two weeks later. Like I didn't, it wasn't at the time, maybe it was a naiveness probably. Um, and obviously it worked out in that regard. Um, but it was just kind of a dedication to like, what do I want to do next? This is what I want to do next. Let's do it. Yeah. Was your mom's dying process and death a wake up call for you? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was that it was like like the the realization of death with someone very close to you, particularly a parent who's somebody who's been there your whole life. Right. And I usually usually use the analogy of like it's like waking up one day and the sky is green and now the sky is green the rest for the forever. Like you, you don't maybe it'll come back blue, but we don't think it will. So it's like one of those where it's like it happens so instantaneously um, and you kind of start getting these feelings of like, what's the point? And that was the thing about college. You know, it was like, well, what's the point? Like now I graduated. OK. And now my mom's, you know, it was just like this very weird. And the way that the whole chemo treatments and the way that they treated my mom, I wasn't a huge fan of. So it was a lot of that. Like you have this idealism, I think, in, in school a lot. Um, and then you get into like the real world, you get out into like practical things and things aren't the way that they quote unquote should be. And I think that that um, dissonance kind of drove me to like um, step back and say like, what do I actually want to do? Like what makes me happy? Like what gets me up in the morning? Because otherwise I just kind of lay there, Yeah, you know, and I like couldn't get myself to move like nothing would make me excited like I was just too overwhelmed with like sadness yeah so were there obviously a lot of crying oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've cried a lot in my yeah. life which actually I think is really healthy Absolutely. now that I think about it actually Ali and I were talking about I still think tears when neuroscience figures out what tears are it's going to be interesting so Dr. Um, Ali Matek right the neuroscientist yeah, yeah, yeah. for uh, Stanford right exactly yeah her and I were having a conversation and I was saying, like, I think tears have to do with, like, you know, some type of neuro um, neuroplasticity or rewiring or, or something. Like, there's something so healing about tears. Mm -hmm. Like, when you actually allow yourself to cry, there's this really interesting, like, awareness that comes. And, like, just this feeling of kind of, like, overwhelming warmth and, and calm. Um, so there's something about crying I think that's really helpful. Uh, but yeah, I cried because I also had to like kind of organize our house and clean up all this stuff that was like my mom had kept everything for when I was a kid. And, 
it was just a lot. I mean, it was a process. Yeah, it was just yeah. a tsunami of tears. Uh, yeah. And, it's, I mean, the whole process is cathartic if you just allow it. Yeah. And the same for anger, right? Right. Because I'm sure you were angry about a lot of things, too. I was. I was really angry, um, like, at the doctor. You know, it's easier to be angry than be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really overwhelming. Um, and it's just like any grief. I mean, it's so overwhelming. It's like a big elephant. You can only... Not elephant's not the right analogy, but you, you can only take one bite at a time. Um, and so you're kind of like each time you you grieve, it's like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and it is, it's overwhelming, but it's, it's, it's just, and, and I, there's a whole, I could go into a whole thing. Yeah, about yeah. That, so yeah. What, at what point when you were in Colorado, did you feel like the weight was lifting? Like that darkness? Um was it still kind of lingering uh, and snowboarding was like your medicine, being out in nature? Yeah, snowboarding was the medicine. It was being out in nature. It was playing. So that was like the yeah. healing side of flow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially afterwards, like it's the the event itself. Um, but afterwards, I would just feel so joyous. I don't know if it was the just the... Um, the neurochemicals or I don't know if it was just the endorphins from it or what, but I would somehow now be super like focused too. And I loved that. I could snowboard during the day. I'd be home by like four and then I'd eat something. And then it was like, I had the whole evening and I would like really want to read and learn, but I'd be able to somehow read and learn on a really um, deeper level. Like I was able to read things that before I didn't mentally I wasn't mentally able to really take in all the information. It was rich. Yeah, it was too. It was too rich. And then after snowboarding, um, and later after yoga, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I actually can like understand what this is saying. Like, I, I actually had the mental capacity. Somehow, it had like it had stretched my attention. It had, wor- it had stretched my working memory. It had allowed me to um, be in a different qualitative, like mental attention experience that allowed me to take in more information, uh, much quicker, um, than I had ever been able to before, before it was a lot more rote memorization and, you know, I could do things, but it, the capacity, my capacity had definitely increased after doing these flow activities. Yeah, there's a sense of like expansion uh, and that's the science of uh, flow, mm-hmm. the neurochemistry and the neuroelectricity yeah. um, that it has its effect on the brain waves and the endogenous hormonal systems mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it's like, it, it, it feels like a superpower. Yeah. Yeah, so your body's dumping all these amazing, powerful neurochemicals and hormones mm. and so all of a sudden you're reading something where in the past it was a bit heady but now it's like like you said like there was an expansion of maybe your your bandwidth of awareness or something mm-hmm. where now you're taking in this data and like you could actually like have a space to like contain it and at least this is my own experience yeah. you know like it, there's this weird like sense of clarity and yeah. and uh, glow that happens when you're in this state after you had spent a day in flow where you feel like you've lived like a full day and only half a day has gone by, right? And you're like, holy shit, I got a whole rest of the day to go for. <laughs> and it is like being a kid because you're launching out of bed, you're playing all day, having fun, you're learning. And then by the time you your head hits the pillow, it's 
lights out and you have like your best dreamy sleep right and then you start again the next day mm -hmm. so um when you're learning uh out in colorado like what exactly were you reading um i think that's when i was first introduced to ted talks um i had a really good friend in north carolina at the time um friend from college and her, her and i would talk a lot on the phone um, and I think she introduced me to um, The Power of Vulnerability, I think, Brene Brown's TED yes. Talk. I think I saw that one, and I saw um, My Stroke of Insight. Um, and both of those, after that, I was hooked. With uh, Jill Bulky Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, because that was you know more neuro-oriented. Um, and I wasn't interested in neuroscience at this point, um, or particularly yoga that much at this point when I was, in snow when I was living in Colorado. Um, but I remember I was, w would watch these Ted talks after snowboarding all day and it was snowing outside, you know, there was a very comfy feeling inside. And I was some, again, it was like, there was this laser focus of when they would speak, I was understanding things on a very different level. And that's when all my sticky notes started. So, um, if you ever known me or to see any space I ever live in, I put sticky notes up everywhere, um, which you've seen. Yeah. Um, and that's when they started because I was watching these these TED Talks and going, that's really intel. Oh, that's really interesting. That's an interesting finding. I want to remember that. So then I just started putting sticky notes up everywhere. Um, and I think that started that really big interest of there's something. And that's it, it's almost like there was a puzzle. Like for some reason, that mental mindset after flow allowed me to kind of start. It felt like I was putting together something. Um, and I guess honestly to flow allowed me to really trust that inner that inner voice and that inner um problem solving because obviously it was doing something for me right the subconscious i could trust my body i could trust this flow um so i just started trusting that whatever i was putting up on my wall made sense somehow <laughs> you were yeah so somehow your puzzle was your life and you're trying to figure stuff out and and yeah. all this information was starting to like make sense to you and so yeah. as you put these sticky notes you start to see like patterns and how it all connected and and so it would like it would solve the puzzle in some sense and and enable you to like maybe reach the next phase of your journey exactly <laughs> okay yeah yeah i mean exactly. i mean I, yeah. we we talked about this a lot because yeah. for me uh it does does have this video game uh sense or like a as they say the hero's journey where like you're only given enough clues to like make it to the next stage of the video game you have all your different tools you have your little like screen there and it has like your your heart which is your life right and you have like your your money in the bank you have like your sword you have your little bow and arrow and like along the way you're picking up different tools like food and you're meeting other characters in the game. Mm. And so for me, it's that's what's made life like a lot uh, more fun and, and adventurous is because you're like, what kind of secret code can I like mm -hmm. uncover in this puzzle that will enable me to like maybe wormhole to the next dimension of my life, you know? And that's where all this amazing synchronicity starts happening. And, and the science is like trying to figure this out, right? Like neuroscience and all this stuff with brain waves, heart waves, and muscle waves, and all kinds of feedback with the environment. So with like Magic Flow Bus per, per se, we've designed a day where all this sort of triggers and uh, color and, and all these different 
of feedback is being put into a 12 plus hour day that people can like discover like what it's like to be to tap in a flow reality yeah i mean if anything i would say that shift in qualitative experience within itself i mean that to me is the one one of the many as we've spoken about gifts of flow um yeah the video game thing i so funny that's I mean, that's exactly what started happening when I started, like my life coach started saying, you know, like helping me shift these mental stories I was I was portraying and then creating in my life. Um, these video game things would start happening where it would that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like there were these boss levels in some ways. And if I could if I, I mean, it was just like this internal story in some ways, probably what led me to depth depth psychology was these internal myths, these internal stories that seemed like they would have, yeah, these internal physiological and mental effects. Um, and it was, it felt like there were these little clues and the synchronicities, these things that would happen outside, but they had this internal significance. And I'm like, that's so weird. I just heard about that like two days ago. How come I'm hurt? You know, it was just like, I started paying attention to that. And if I paid attention and, and I listened and honored it and didn't get angry and honored even like when even things that would somewhat negative, right? I'm mad about something. Okay, if I sit back and I just let this happen, um, what is it telling me? What is it teaching me? And if I would follow that, very often these crazy synchronistic things would happen. And it was happening a lot, like a lot at that time in my life. Um, and it it fascinated me. I mean, I, again, I don't. It, there's so there's so many possibilities of why, how, what of of those experiences. Um, and I'm not sure what we're going to figure out in our lifetime, but it's definitely something, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you and I have both experienced it completely separately without knowing each other. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think uh, I hope that they never do discover it, right? <laughs> because I, I right. love yeah. the mystery of it yeah. and, and I that's love true. the part of being human and not knowing yeah. and, and like that's part of learning, right? And we had yeah. this whole lifetime to do that that's true. Um, or we may not, you know, and so I think being human is like we know like how it works but we also forget and we keep, we keep like teetering, tottering back and forth. But you get to a point where you're like, you know more than you forget. And so, for example, like we were just laughing earlier because you realize that in order to make a decision when you're feeling like stressed or in a crisis, crisis mode, um, it's probably best to like wait a few days, a week or two a couple of weeks um you talk to like your your mm. therapist kind of like bounce your analyst but yes <laughs> your, your analyst and uh which uh, that will lead to the next question but um essentially you're like you're giving time and space for yourself to uh gain that clarity because when you're stressed and it's actually an opportunity moment to like tune in and listen and not to freak out so in emergency situations like that's kind of like how we know what we're made out of mm. like what we train for and if you do like freak out then like the next time it comes around you have a chance to like up level yourself uh because you're like oh before i i, I kind of like lost it but this time i like took a few deep breaths i kind of like stepped away yeah. like observed this and felt it and then from a place of empowerment like you you walk straight into that fire right so um what is the uh difference between like your life coach mm -hmm. Uh, your analyst like that that's always been something that I'm, I'm curious about yes um so three things I'll say an analyst 
um, a life coach and a psychotherapist. So to me, those are kind of the main three differentiations. Um, a psychotherapist, psychologist, again, you get into psychiatrist. Those are all, you know, medical doctor versus not type of thing. Um, most of those, that group um, really focuses more on, you know, helping you kind of just move through emotions, um, deal with past um, situations, um, you know, kind of more family oriented, parental, like, uh, you know, kind of really works on attachment theory. So okay. kind of, you know, the relationships you had when you were very young and how those are impacting your current relationships. Um, it's obviously a little bit more cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so a little bit more about focusing on, um, uh, obviously cognition behavior, type of thing the, okay. the inter, kind of interlinks between those a little bit more cerebral i feel like okay. and medication oriented obviously yeah so i was gonna say like a, a in a sense of more on the pathology side of things more or? on the pathology and more about the past okay it's more about like how is the past influencing the present let's focus let's go into the past and then try to deal with these past issues so that's a little i mean, in, in coaching we talk about therapies definitely the past and coaching's about the future um, cause ever, you know, since I had my own life coach, I've had my own coaching certification cause I wanted to learn what she was doing. Um, and then, yeah, coaching is really more about, like I just said, my coach would say, so what now what? Right. So she was not, couldn't really care about the past very much. Yeah. We could go into it a little bit, but we'd spend very little time there. She would say, okay, that is how it was. How do you want it to be in the future? So let's focus on the future. Let's focus on, you know, how, what words you're using that are affecting how you're going to make decisions in the future. Let's focus on what's your ideal in the future, not focusing on how you're going to get it, but let's bring that into the present moment. And it was it, life coaching is all about now future therapy is all about kind of now somewhat, but mainly the past. <laughs> and analysts are kind of completely different. Um, psychoanalysts, I mean, I'm, I have a Jungian analyst because I'm a Carl Jungian person. Which is um, the whole like beginning to depth psychology with Stu um, Jung? Depth Carl psychology, Jung. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell orientation, a lot about collective unconscious, but a lot about like dreams, your subconscious, kind of like figuring out that internal story um, you know, playing around with these different emotional entity entities, but like emotional things, ball, you know, things that come up like these emotional things and like kind of using symbols and using um, it we call active imagination, but kind of using your own internal um, capacities to kind of deal with what's happening. So you go a little bit into the past, a little in the future, but analysts are more about like you're going to go through a lot of stuff in life. So this person's kind of there to help you kind of like use use the emotional um, shifts and the emotional things that are happening. Um, so you don't feel like that's so much happening to you. It's more like it's happening and how do you use that energy um, and energy? Yeah. How do you use it? Yeah. Because there's a lot of energy to being human, right? So yeah. we're like hitting all these musical notes of emotions and and thoughts and our like uh, interpretations of our own thoughts and right. and, like, and whether those are our thoughts at all like they're just ticker tape <laughs> yeah exactly like, we don't even know. yeah and that's kind of part of it it's not like uh, anger is bad sadness it's not like anything's bad it's not like so much looking at anything really even as a pathology it's kind of like what's the psyche trying to do you know let's tend to the psyche which is like you know just the the mental everything mental basically everything in consciousness and kind of let's helps let's help your consciousness kind of move forward in a circular way rather than 
things are good and things are bad. Nothing's really good and bad per se. It's more about you know, just the the yin and yang of life and helping you move through the yin and yang of life. So it's this context, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I really, yeah, they're, they're all useful and they're all good for different things. Right. So they're all like amazing tools and Mm -hmm. it's just like an artist in a canvas and like a little, with an easel or something where they put the paint on that that I think it's an easel. Yeah. Or like they have a palette palette, of paint and then they, they put the, um, uh, the canvas on the easel. I think, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and I just want to say too, which is interesting. I was thinking about it. You were talking earlier too. And analysts really help with this for me. Thinking about time as like a stretched out thing, and I said that sounds kind of odd, but like space time, like thinking about it as time moving through space. And what's really helpful about that when I when I conceive of that reality is like the emotions that happen. They're like clouds in the sky, right? It's like, yes, it's thunderstorming, but you know it's going to be sunny again at some point, you know? But like if you're making decisions when it's storming based on that emotion, when it's sunny again, you may be like, why did I do that? And so what's that's what's really helped is kind of having that like, and I've said before, like having an analyst for me has been helpful. It's like, okay, I have this, I'm in this thunderstorm, but I'm not going to make any decisions from here. I'm going to wait until I speak to her. I'm going to wait until the, the weather kind of goes up and down. And I kind of have different perspectives. And if I still feel this way after all of those perspectives, and I can talk to someone who's a little unbiased about it, then I feel like I can make more of a conscious, deliberate choice rather than like the responsibility, right? Your ability to respond. It allows me to respond in a way that that's more in alignment with like myself, like my inner self, rather than just like, I'm really angry right now. But it's like, that's okay. Like we have those emotions. And I've talked, you know, we talked about it too, like in relationships with different humans, you know, you get these, I'm angry at this person, but often you're not really angry at them. It's a projection. You know, it's something you went through with somebody else or it's something about yourself that you don't like and you see it in them. And now you're angry at them. You know, there's this whole... You mean again, hangry and horny? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, oh my God. So, you know, I serve at a restaurant at times yeah. and like people get hangry, my God. Right. And like, like I said, I went through that 10-day fast, right? And I'm like, listen, I know it's hard, but five more minutes, you'll be fine. You know, like I've gone 10 days <laughs> without food. You'll be fine. So it's kind of like it's hard because I understand that emotion and I get that in that moment. My God, I do. Um, But I think what's really helpful, though, is the older we get, I mean, any time in life would be great, but the older you get, it's so nice to not respond in those moments and from that place, you know, like, I don't know, it just feels helpful. Yeah, I guess that's what wisdom is in some sense because, like, we've been there, done that, and so as we... (laughs) We don't want to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, right? So these moments come up again, and you have this, like, context of... Whereas when you're younger, you didn't. Everything's just sort of fresh. You've, everything's being experienced for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so with experience, you yeah. just have that, like, more of that professional uh, type of approach, you know? And, and I was going to ask you, um, has there been times where you were in these sort of crisis situations? and But you were you, you felt good. And you had the context of what of experience in the mm-hmm. past, so you didn't necessarily have like your analyst right next to you, but you're able to like say, okay, I can make a decision right now. It is stormy, it is crazy right now, but I'm um, coming from a place of like clarity that yeah. I can make a decision in this moment and not wait 
like to talk to my analysts or go yeah. to the next seminar or read a, another book like sometimes we get to a place where we actually like trust in our own self yes um actually it just happened uh like last week um i had a coworker say something to me and I got really mad. Like I was really mad because I was like, why didn't someone ask me this question and blah, 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 blah. And it was so funny because I stood there. I just took some deep breaths and I felt like I was having this whole internal emotional experience. And I was saying to myself, Jordana, just stay chill. Just stay calm because she can't do anything about it. It's not her fault. She's just telling me what's happening to her. And second of all, there's nothing I can do about it now anyway. Like there's nothing I can do at this moment anyway. So... I was just kind of like, just stay calm. Know that the, like the anger is valid. It's there, and I'll be, you know, I'll in time. I'll be, able, I'll make a decision. But like right now, there's no point to get angry about it. And I think it was helpful because her and I aren't super close, so it's not like I felt like I could talk to her about it. Um, but it was really interesting. It almost felt like I was watching two different sides of myself have an experience at the exact same time. If that makes any sense? Like I had this whole internal experience. And I was able to still present this very calm, like, normal exterior. Um, and then I was upset later, you know, and I had my own process in that. But in that moment, I didn't react, as it were. Um, and again, this doesn't happen all the time, but it's m I'm much more able to do that nowadays. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. weird, right? Like, even in traffic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get a little upset at people, but I don't really get that upset. Because really, at the end of the day, like, it's, I don't know how to describe that. Yeah, traffic's a good example of that. Um, or just waiting in line. or Yeah, waiting know. in line, I'm really good at, actually, often. Usually, there comes a point. I'm good until a certain point. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'll be fine. But once this pressure is cost, then I might, might be a little annoyed. But I'm going to do something about it if I'm annoyed. But most of the time, I'll listen. I'll put my headphones in. Or, I mean, one thing I love about yoga is I'll just close my eyes and I'll tap in. You know, what do I feel like? I'll just do some embodiment practices. Um, I know it's not the person's fault because, again, as someone, you know, when you work a lot, like other people look at you that way. You know, yeah. they're mad. And I'm like, it's not my fault. Like, well, I yeah, can't. you're in the restaurant industry, <laughs> oh, right? So you're serving. Yes, Yeah, exactly. neurofeedback. Yeah, we'll get into both. that as well. Yeah. yeah, but both. Yeah, any working at any business, you know, people come in with their own emotional stuff and they're upset. And there's, and I, usually what I try to do is like, okay, Jordana, you've been in this other situation. And a lot of it's just this karmic thing. I mean, it's the same thing as like now I try to tip 20% or more. Because I'm like, karmically, theoretically, I'll get that money back. You know, so it's kind of like this, there comes this more um, em em empathy, awareness, um, and compassion, I think is a big one. It's just, there's this more compassion for, and again, what I was saying about time and space, like, there's something that I say to myself often. I'm like, okay, maybe things aren't happening mentally in the time that I want. But more often than not, if I rush to drive somewhere to get somewhere, often the other person's like three minutes late. Or it's like, why didn't I just take my time? And then it all would have worked out perfectly. But because I tried to make it happen in this one way is honestly usually when it Fs up. And that's kind of what I've tried to do now on in life. I'm like, okay, I just, yes, I'm a little late, but I'm just gonna like take some deep breaths and try to just, you know, go at a normal speed rather than try to be super speedy. Um, that seems to work out a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. When we uh, surrender more and just trust in the process and trust the Trust in the time-space yeah. time continuum. Yeah. Like theory of relativity, like theoretically, right, time isn't really like definite. So it's kind of like 
based on how you're looking at it. So it's kind of like that's kind of what yeah, I think about. Yeah, or at certain speeds, it bends. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, theoretically then, maybe, yeah. So I kind of, we don't know all about that. So I know it sounds kind of silly, but it seems to work out really well, more often than not, Yeah. if I do that, yeah. So you have <laughs> like this science side, but you also have this hippie side. So you like dropped in karma. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's it's east and west coast, probably, both sides of myself. Okay. Um, well, after my mom died, my, my cousin told me that my mom apparently was kind of like a hippie in college. Um, and for some reason, I guess I kind of identified with that hippie part of my mom and the very scientist part of my father. And so I kind of, I think over time, kind of started self-identifying as this like hippie. Because to me, it's subjective and objective measures of reality. Yeah. So both of them are extremely valid. Um, it's just the language that people are using to describe it. And that's what usually tears people apart for understanding yeah. in a conversation. It turns into right. an argument. It's like, you guys are actually talking about the same exact thing, but just yeah. coming at it from a different perspective. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of it's language, the connotations yeah. we use with the words that we use. Um, yeah, so for some reason for me, I don't have, I don't have that, like, it's more separation. fluid. Yeah. It's more, it's, it's like the same thing to me. It's yeah. like, it's the same thing, but different. And I'm like, we're both all looking at the same thing, but a different part of the elephant. And it's silly to argue about it because at the end of the day, none of us really know. Let's be honest, even the objective measures, like anything that's known in science is just repeatable. You know, it's repeatable. We can test it. It can happen over and over again. We all agree that it's the same. But again, that's only within the confines of what we can conceive of and what we conceptualize and what we can even test. So there's, I don't know, it feels like there's still unknowns to all of it. Um, yeah. So, and I yeah. like the combination of opposites. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The tension of the opposites. And so you're in Colorado. You've mm. touched upon like snowboarding, started studying all these different uh, sciences and uh, psychology, started to understand more of this like embodied cognition like not just being heady but to actually like embodied like all this knowledge and information and yeah. wisdom so what happened then like you ended up here in santa cruz um yeah oh well I, from colorado i moved back to north carolina okay oh yeah and, you did that yeah uh, and that's nonprofit. the nonprofit. and um i studied yoga that's when i got my yoga certification um, and then from there, I found a graduate program out in California. And it was the only program I could find that it was depth psychology, D-E-P-T-H psychology. And this program, um, that was the consciousness versus the unconscious. And this program specified in the mind and the body connection. So I'm like, this is what I want. And everything I would read from it was like, it was like I finally could like read something of people that think the way that I do. Like, I, I, I think very uniquely, it seems, or I feel different than a lot of my friends. Like, people like, like I would say something, they're like, what, where did that come from? You know, like, cause I just have this internal, like trying to figure something out. And then I of course got interested in neuroscience studying yoga. So I'm like, I had to like do a presentation on the nervous system and I'm studying yoga and I'm studying this, the nervous system. And my dad, who's a cell biologist is sitting next to me. And I'm like, Oh, nervous system links up to neurons. Oh, they're brain cells. And I asked my dad, I'm like, what are the difference between brain cells and body cells? He's like, I don't know anything about the brain cells. I only know about the body cells. And I'm like, are they different? And he's like, yeah. And then I was just like, it was this whole world opened up. I was like, what the hell is this neuroscience topic? Because no one really ever talked about it. And unfortunately, when I was in undergrad, now they do. Now it's it's linked together, the two, the two fields. But back then it wasn't that I remember at all. 
Um, so all of that got me super interested in this mind-body connection, the science behind it. And then this program seemed perfect. And I also always felt like I was going to eventually go to California. There was something in me that felt like Northern California, even though I ended up going to Southern California for the program. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to move to California. Um, so I already knew I wasn't going to be super involved in the nonprofit because it was mainly for Spanish speakers and it was really my friend's baby. Um, so I let her do that. Yeah. And then I moved out to, um, to Santa Barbara. Um, and then of course I just traveled all around California, Mammoth, Santa Cruz, San Diego, um, all for different parts of my field work, different things I was studying in grad school. And yeah, then ended up back up here, um, partially just cause I like the colder weather. Um, so I like the colderness. Um, that's not even a real word. I think, <laughs> the coldness of up coldness, here, yeah. the colderness of up here. Um, and of course at the time there was a, there was a guy I was really interested in and he was from here. So all of that culminated into me, um, being up here and then yeah neurofeedback is probably the main thing that's kept me up here okay so yeah. i mean you study this this whole embodied cognition in santa barbara started doing field study part of it was in uh snowboarding uh yoga yep what other things were you looking at that help people to embody themselves more like a uh, integrated human being where their their brain waves are not the only active thing but it's all connected with the brain the heart and the muscles yeah dance uh nia dance i actually did a uh level one training in nia dance um so that was the um nia dance ecstatic dance ecstatic dance is kind of just like free form dance but there's something about doing it in groups of other people that there's like effects on the people around you. Um, so that was interesting. I studied that, wrote about that. Archery, did an archery lesson because I'd done archery as a kid. Um, and then the flow fundamentals. But yeah, mainly dance, yoga, and snowboarding were <laughs> kind of my, my favorites. Um, and of course, I would talk to people about surfing. Um, and I've done that a couple times, but um, I'm not as well versed in that. Okay. And so what was it that you realized uh, looking at all these different domains for your field study? About flow or just in general? Yeah, for your, your uh, learning for school and flow and... Attention. The, where you place your attention guides movement. Um, and I, I say that in the sense that, like, if you put, place your attention on your body, there's this, like, like I would watch someone in Nia do a physical movement, you know, do something. And if I mentally tried to figure it out, I couldn't do it. But if I, like, use my mirror neurons and I just, like, my body, like, would follow their body, I would somehow now watch my body do this movement. So I'm you would, like, like model, mimic it. what mm -hmm. they were doing. But it was another part of my consciousness that was doing it. You know, it was, like, the weirdest of things, like... Same thing in yoga. It's like I, I would get to this place in yoga where I would watch my body do these movements and do these flows. It would get into this flow and it would start just doing it. And I then became almost a passive, passive observer, like watching my body do something. It's a very strange thing to do without any other drugs. I mean, it's a very strange experience to have. Which we've um, had like snowboarding or mm -hmm. surfing, different things in our own lives. Yeah. But you're in flow and, and by the end of it, you're like, uh, who just drove the bus? 
<laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. Even basic, like driving somewhere, right? How many of us do that? Yeah. What the hell? I got there safely. Something was in charge. Something did it. It took over. Yeah. Yeah. It's and so that odd. Is fascinating to me. Right. You like end that, up at your oh. destination. You're like, uh, who was driving the whole yeah. time? You were just like in your mind. Or observing. And what's really cool is in yoga, imagine doing that, but having the metacognition, having that awareness while you're doing it. So your mind isn't somewhere else. It's still present. Yeah. And you're doing it. And so you're having this internal dialogue and talking as your body's doing something. So there's like, so so, so what I've started to see that there is like this, even a spectrum of flow. Mm. So there's like flow where you're like unconscious. You end up at your destination. You turn off the car. You parked, you park, you turn off and you're like, like who drove the car, right? (laughs) And then there's those moments where we're actually like in sport or Mm. doing like snowboarding per se. And like you're actually like observing or in yoga, you're observing as the body's just doing it on its own. But you're like, you're actively there. You know, you're, you're in this, like this sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I never thought about it in a continuum of flow, but I like that. That'd be cool to look at it that way. Yeah, because there's like, you know, people playing music while in flow. There's people that are in war or they're in like a UFC fighting cage or something um, where they're actually like, you know, violent yeah. in flow. I think that you can get to a place where, you know, you're you're processing your emotions like actively. So instead of like being hijacked by your emotions and then being unconscious while it's happening where you you step back and you're kind of like that the werewolf that wakes up naked as a human and you're like there's blood all over you and you're like uh what just happened you know and i've heard that people would take ambien that there's these cases where they take ambien and then they they their body went and did something and then they came back and and then like you know worst case is like a murder like a murder happened it was them mm, but they went that, back yeah. in their own bed and then they woke up and like it was like oh i had a i just had a great sleep and and then they're like um yeah but you you just murdered somebody like there's like evidence of you murdering but you don't remember it ever happening right mm. so that's like the scary side of it right mm. and so that that went dark but we can we can go there it's hangry and horny um but but then there's, yang, the, man. <laughs> there's the other <laughs> end of the spectrum where you're like you know you're you're processing anger like actively like and that's that's where i'm at now where i feel like i can kind of do like a play-by-play announcer like in a sports game as i'm feeling these like intense emotions <laughs> that's a funny way to do that yeah you're like oh I and know. Now, oh, tony's <laughs> going down the court and he's feeling pissed like you know like <sighs> and so it's it's kind of like been fun that way because now i see it like, <laughs> like a, more, a, a more a more a more a mature approach and then there's these places where you actually can go to a facility a, a rage room and like break mm. dishes and like punch a punching bag and kick it or you know actually That's like nice get aggressive yeah <laughs> and like and and uh, express it in a safe place you know yeah. so i just i like all the overlays which also includes like psychedelics mm. you know which is uh taking uh, an exogenous substance to to alter your state. So, um, being in Santa Cruz, 
you um, I want to start doing that Tony is now angry <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to move to the left and um, yeah that's funny yeah isn't that funny like you can actually yeah. like name like different parts of your personas and like your different goes characters along with that over like I was saying like mentally stretching time right the emotions come like a play in a in the game and then the next play comes and then the game will end and then another game will happen like there's yeah it's it, it's helpful to have something that takes you it's it's the stretching of attention there's something that like it's like it, it widens it's like the widening of it that allows you with that wisdom over time to not react as much you're able to like have that metacognition at that moment yeah uh, yeah i love that word um can you like, describe like what exactly is metacognition yeah um i want to say meta means above and i may be wrong on that um sorry if i am but i think i think that's what that uh, it's almost like, like thinking about thinking or like yeah exactly or so l- you learning have, how to learn kind of thing yeah so metacognition in theor- theoretically would be like you have your cognition right you're thinking about something but then metacognition is you're aware of yourself thinking about something so it's kind of like not an out-of-body experience but if you were it'd be like you're you're looking over your cognition like you're aware of the fact that i'm thinking about this i'm aware of the fact that i'm having this emotion or we're talking right now but i'm aware that i'm like talking to you at the same time right yeah so there's like this more of expansion of awareness while we're actively talking right and it's different than dissociating um it's kind of more of a i'm present and i'm aware that i am being present yeah, because that's um, the danger of meditation on the dark side of meditation is that you can totally like check out of your body, right? Mm. Like you could totally yeah. take a lot of psychedelic drugs and always want to be in that like that that other altered mm. state of consciousness, but never come back and like embody being in this reality where there's, you know, material things that yeah. we can actually like touch, you know? It's hard. I, I think that... I mean, speaking of like addictions and and things like that, I think that it's so easy to do that for certain periods of time and some people years. I mean, everyone's period of time would be different Um, when you're going through things that are so hard to integrate psychically, like the reality of this of this physical plane and integrating things as you see them into your psyche a lot of times addictions help with that you know it's, it's so pain feels so painful being in life that this actually feels it's like this is bearable it's bearable to be outside of it um so i totally understand that fully get um, it right whether it's uh, and eventually this also exists too so by stepping out it's understandable but by not coming back um i'm guess it's a choice i mean suicide of course for people right um it's completely understandable. Yeah, because like you're working a, a nine to five, 40 plus hour job. You might have multiple jobs. The weekend comes. The last thing you want to do is like anything, right? So you just want to eat, just want to sleep, you want to binge watch stuff. You want to just be on your phone, check in like different things, right? Mm-hmm. We all have like varying forms yeah. of where we have a, a, a nice um, healthy way of checking out. But like when you're like checking out, like continuously because you're never dealing with like the reality of this physical plane and i've been there i've meditated in search of enlightenment almost died you know yeah and so it's like that became an addiction even though something like meditation prayer or visualization Mm -hmm. um seems so benign right and it's probably like 
the more benign than like hardcore drugs but at the same time like the outcome can be similar where you can go neurotic and psychotic right and i mean it's all balanced right at the end of the day it's all um nothing is inherently bad or good it's just the balance of it and not feeling like something is controlling you i think that's kind of usually the the tip over into like addiction is like now you don't you're not really in control. It's kind of like you were saying that subconscious. Like now it's like not even so much a conscious decision. It becomes this like subconscious decision. So like you're drinking, you don't realize you're drinking until you know two cups in or something. It's like or you know you've already had a whole glass and you're like oh wow you know like in a food addiction. It's like people you eat and you're done and you're like I didn't even realize that I just ate all that food. You know it's like it's a similar. There's something that happens in consciousness that somehow dissociates or checks out. Um, and that, you know, it's, um, it's hard cause it's like, you're so into it that like, it feels good in a moment and pleasurable mm-hmm. until you wake up the next day in bed with your shoes on and your clothes on and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. You know, well, I like, know somebody yeah. intimately that did that recently, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the shoes weren't on, but they yeah, went into Similar, bed yeah. with their own clothes on and had a great time. But it's scary because they do not remember going into the house and closing the door and like going into bed. They just woke up the next day with their clothes on in bed and they're like, oh, shit. Like, so that's what's fascinating about this phenomenon uh, called life that in the body and this this physical plane to me, there's all these different sort of variables in life and different uh, ways to experience um, life like through different altered states of consciousness and natural states of consciousness but um, naturally altered states of consciousness yeah right <laughs> yes <laughs> there's so many things to like play yeah. and paint with um yeah. what what's your thoughts on like abraham maslow and like self-actualization because um you know we talk about joseph campbell and carl jung and we didn't even get into freud but um you know, this this aspect of, like, self-actualization, you know, because I've always been fascinated. It's like, why are we here? And sort of what are those patterns that keep making us live in, like, Groundhog Day mm. until we reach, like, some sort of crisis where, like, it, it's like a wake-up call. And it's like you had that, like, fork in the road now where you're like, I can continue to check out and, like, live in a certain way and fear or just because it's comfortable, or I can take the adventure to the unknown and like see what happens. Mm. And then this sense of like growing into a new identity and maturing. Cause that to me, that's what addiction is like. It's like medicine at some point, but then it becomes a crutch. And then eventually, hopefully, you can wake up from it and say, like, this is disempowering me. It's messing up my whole life. And I can make a new choice now and then like up level to uh, a, a different or more mature mature persona of yourself yeah that actually reminds me of the video game the concept of like you're trying the same thing and you keep failing at it and then it's kind of like you know you come to a certain point where you either get it or you don't you know and if you don't then you're stuck on the same level versus up leveling and going to the next level so either you have kind of that that choice um or I a do. character like comes in and like reaches their hand out, Can I right? His honor? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and like kind of like coax you up to the next level. So that's what right. I love about like community yeah. and like tribe. You know, having a, a group of other people that are going through the same thing. Yeah, that support. I think 
my from what everything I've studied, I would say that everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own story, you know, and everyone has their own video game, as it were, and their own possibilities. You don't have to take all the secret passages. You know, you don't have to do everything. You can do whatever you want. It's your life, you know, your experience. It's so funny, people ask, sounds silly, but the restaurant, like, what should I eat? I'm like, well, what do you want? Like, you're the one eating it. Like, I'm not the one eating it. It's you, you know, it's your life, your path. What do you need? You know, <laughs> what, what does your body want right now? Same thing in yoga in some ways. Um, you know, I, but there's, you know, it's kind of the question of like, I was saying, you asked me about why did I move to Colorado? I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. And it's because it was the next step. You know, what's the next level you want to practice? What's the, do you want to go to the water level? Do you want to go to the volcano, I don't make it up, volcano level, like whatever it is, like wh- where do you want to go? You know, what, what internally feels exciting to you? Like I was saying, like the only thing that woke me up in the morning was yoga and yoga. Okay, well, yoga is the only thing that I seem to be interested in. Let's study that. You know, what gives you that, and I'm sure you've talked with other people about this, but for me, it was like, well, what makes me excited? The hardest thing in life for me is when I don't find anything exciting. You know, like that, that's been the hardest times of my life when I'm like, okay, well, what am I excited about? And I'm like, wow, nothing, you know, reading about neuroscience. And then sometimes even that I get tired and I'm like, I'm not, I'm, so that means something else is going on which actually in retrospect was my adrenals and was the, the hormones um, weren't, um, weren't balanced enough. And sometimes it's something not simple. It's like yeah. a simple change to uh, mm-hmm. your nutrition or yeah. adding more movement to your, your, your daily life, getting more sleep, you know? Yeah, getting more sleep, doing things that um, you know light you up. Um, like for me, it's yoga, like especially yin yoga, like going to those types of classes when I wasn't feeling up for anything. It's like going somewhere that I know is very supportive and just very calming. Um, Where it's okay to just lie there. Yeah. And do yeah. nothing. Because that's what breathe. I wanted to do. It was like, what is it that would actually make me feel somewhat excited about doing? And it, even the tiniest amount. Okay, even that's not like a, on the scale of one to ten, it's a two. But that's something, you know, yeah. and I would just do that. Yeah, because they're so, like, uh, maybe chronic in our society is to constantly be doing something. And and so if someone feels guilty where they're not, like, that's the recovery side of flow or, like, you know, you're so manic. But then, like, you feel like absolute horseshit for, like, a few days and, and you feel guilty. Like, it's okay to not do anything and just veg out. I think that that's you were saying before about that storyline it's like it's almost funny it's almost like we all go through these back and forths you know it's like we drink and you have hangovers i'm never gonna do that again and then you go one other way the opposite direction then you go back again over here and it's almost like there's this like back and forth this black and white yo-yo completely until one day it clicks until something happens where like you were saying like you go whatever it is it's a fork in the road whatever it is and you're suddenly like Okay, something now is changing. Yeah, instead you know, like, of like I don't going do that left or right, I can go up. Yeah, <laughs> we've been here before. I've done this already. Yeah, yeah. I've done, and I think that that's part of the psyche as well. It's like it's it's all you can't just go from the first level to the last level. I mean, you got to go through all the levels. You know, you got to learn whatever it is you need to learn to get to the next level. And it's almost like if each level separated into like right and left or black and white or 
some type of dichotomy. And we have to go through both completely separately. And this is what Jung would say, is that eventually when we're able to understand and hold the both opposites together, we're like, okay, I got this one and I've got this one. Now, what about both together? Because now I've done them both separately. Now I bring them together. And then there's this new, oh, I can go up, like a new dimension. Um, I don't know if you saw um, Joe Rogan just interviewed um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or I saw. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, and he has a whole thing where he talks about the next dimension. You know, like cars in two dimensions. Then we have multiple lanes in two dimensions. Because I think he was asking about a flying car, like Joe Rogan wanted a flying car, and he's like, it'll never exist because of this. But he talks about what you want is another dimension to move in, Um, and that's what it feels like often happens psychically. Um, is that we have these experiences in life and then eventually when, once we experience them to their extent, we go, okay, what's next? Because we, I don't know if we get bored or whatever it is, but we learn whatever is we need to learn. And that's why sometimes with people, especially in relationships I notice supporting other people, it's their path. You could tell them you need to leave this relationship because it's not good for you. They're not, no. There's something they're learning and they're not ready to leave yet. And that's totally okay. You know, like there it's, you're learning something. And until you've energetically experienced it, whatever it is, I don't think you're ever really going to be able to fully move forward. Yeah, there's some sort of, as I've seen it, a ripening process because Mm -hmm. you can get the secret code in the game and go through the worm tube to the next highest level and like beat the game per se. But there's a sense of feeling like, you know, maybe I didn't earn that. I didn't Mm -hmm. earn uh that upper level you know and so it's up to every person could there's something that comes with like a satisfaction that comes from like working you know actually doing like moving your body and like grinding blood sweat and tears and then there's times where you're like i don't the wisdom in you's like i don't need to like suffer to to get to that level so everybody's gonna be able to have to figure that out for themselves but for me it's like I can now have the context of both and say, do I need to suffer through this? Or is there like a hack that I can do to bypass this, to go to that next level? Or mm-hmm. will I, do I really need to like suffer to really feel that sense that I earned this and, and the mm-hmm. sense of satisfaction that comes on the back end of working hard and accomplishing something? Oh, totally. And there's even a grounded acceptance in what you receive because you know that you've, there's like a ground, it's like wisdom, you know, there's this wisdom of like, I've been through that, you know, and you just know there's more options, you know. I also would say something that you didn't mention, but my experience is that there's this also the sense of compassion for people and understanding for what they're moving through. So I don't get angry. I don't like get upset that I'm like, I don't like that they're moving through something because I've already been through that and I know what I was like when I was at that. It's like, oh, wow, I know what it was like when I was in that space. And not that they're meant to move forward in the same directions I did, but it's kind of like, oh, I remember being in a space like that. And then there's just more of an awareness and compassion. Like, I don't get as angry about it or I don't... It's like there isn't, like, a energy. Like, I don't get um, frustrated with other people for that. It's like, 
more like, wow, I remember when I was in that space. Right. And I had to, I had that where I was like judging them, mm -hmm. like, because I was like, I've been through that and I should have been more empathetic. But I was like, just get over it. Like, it's yeah. easy. Just make the decision not to do that and, <laughs> yeah. and move on. But it's like, but that's what I mean. If you do it too early, then you never really learn it. And then yeah. you're going to go right back to it. Yeah. So it's like, why? You can get as mad as you want at them. But the thing is, if they don't learn what they need to learn, they're going to have the exact same experience again in like five years like, right it's silly and it's like back to your life coach she could have like told you all these things that you needed to do mm. in order to not she was just providing like the space and support and like giving encouragement and like little clues you know and then you it was up to you to like look at those clues and say yeah that's what I want to do mm. but she wasn't like you should do this and you should do mm -hmm. that you know I think insight and all psychology all of it um, telling anyone what they should do, I think is the uh, means fuck you. <laughs> the worst thing you could do. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, because it's like, I understand what you're saying. That's your opinion. But you're not me. You're not in my life path. You don't know. You're not in the same journey as me. So from your perspective on your journey. Okay, fine. But you're not, I'm not again, if I should stop doing XYZ. And it's like, well, if I do that now, then I'm not really like, oh, yeah, just stop doing it. And that's it. And it's like, it's not obviously it's not that simple. And like we just said, like, if you did just stop doing it, do you actually learn the lesson that you need to learn to be able to move forward in life? You know, like I think that it's just like this video game. There's these lessons that you need to learn. It's like kind of like, yeah, you were saying, can you just do the cheat to get to the end? Like if you were playing a video game and someone's like, just do the cheat to get to the end. And you're like. But then I don't learn all the things I need to learn to actually even be able to eventually beat the boss. I don't have all the tools I need. I don't. I haven't learned how to do all these different jumps. Like there's all these things I need to learn. So a part of it is the journey of learning, um, and I think that that's lost, particularly in psychology, because we talk about a thing as the psychopathology. You know, these things are all wrong. It's bad. Don't think badly. Don't do that. And it's like. It's not that it's inherently bad or good. It's all part of. That's why I like an, like analysts because it's all it's all part of it. It's yeah. all of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. holy crap! We need to do like another episode because yeah. we didn't even get into hangry and horny, hangry and horny, <laughs> like the different kinds of sex. Whether, for example, mm -hmm. there's there's like love making, there's like this is totally a different topic, but yes, yeah, yeah, right. Like <laughs> totally. we're segueing off we're to something this, else. Yeah. That like there's sex, there's love making, and that's there's part fucking... two of the journey too. Yeah, like different different interactions with different humans. Like, why are we drawn? to so many different humans in this world. Like, you know, why do I feel love towards certain people like right when I meet them? And there are attractions. People, and, yeah, and yeah, attractions to them. And then there's other people, and there's multiples of them. So it's like, how do I know which one I'm supposed to be with forever? And then you've got different people you're attracted to, but are you really well suited for them? If you talk about a monogamous long-term relationship, I mean, that's totally different. And then you've got the different, I mean, it's just like, there's so many different intricacies to these different, interactions we have with different humans right um and it's totally not does not fit nicely into a box at all yeah yeah like, there's no yeah. answers for that right and uh you so, know yeah the, sex versus love making versus fuck. i mean all yeah. of those things have their place in their thing but the problem is we language i think usually the language our, like yeah. or like you're throwing in religion into the aspects or yep. or like different perspectives on like anthropology mm -hmm. you know and humans interactions and and different cultures yeah. right so um and then we haven't even <laughs> died uh into like neuro 
、uh, marketing, like all the advertising stuff oh, that we're like bombarding. To, you know? know, so it's like it's totally understandable why people are having a difficult time like traversing life because there's so much like data and like information and and distractions and things to like、mm-hmm. keep you from. Going to where you want to go and like self actualize yourself. And unfortunately, I think currently we are in one of the most difficult times as humans in that regard because it's the same thing. It's like too many choices. It's like going to the grocery store and how many choices of cereal do you have? Like too many. <laughs> it's like, how do you make a decision? I mean, it's just, it's almost impossible.、Mm-hmm. And we think more choices are better.、Um, is it? You know, I don't know what's better, really.、Um, it's not easier.、Um, and it's hard. It's hard to find what's. And that's why I kept trying to come back to I think, like, unfortunately, the only person that's ever going to know is you. You know, you're the only one who's going to know what's the next best step for me. You know, and you'll have experiences and you'll learn to go, oh, I don't want to do that again. And then you'll do it again. Oh, I don't want to do that again. And then you'll do it again. And then you'll, oh, I don't want to do that again. And then eventually you'll have that awareness in that moment. Wait, I've been here before. I don't want to do that again. I'm going to choose something different. But it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's、know? definitely a journey because all these things in advertising, marketing, is always looking、yep. at the insecure parts of ourselves and exploiting it. And they're doing it subconsciously. Right. So that's what's so, even oh, like so freakier、well. and scarier. And、so、you know,、well. the fact that there's something broken about you that needs to be fixed and that they have the solution, which on some level, if we were self critical, there are some things we know that we need to improve on. Yeah. But it's not like you're broken and you need to be fixed. And then, you know, constantly in my case in the past, like I was addicted to like、uh, seminars and self help books. And there was a point where it was just like that became my addiction.、Mm-hmm. I wasn't into drugs per se, but like I was blowing all this money, feeling good on a weekend seminar, and then back to my old lowly self、yeah. on Mondays, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, oh, on Wednesday, I'm going to I'm gonna finally take action. I'm finally going to go and. Follow, chase my dreams and make it happen. And then, like, a whole year would go by, and I just blew more money on self help and these seminars, which they had their place. I'm not、mm-hmm. knocking them. I'm not、right. knocking some of these teachers that make a shit ton of money, you know, <laughs> on、yeah. people that are at a place where they're lost and they need some sort of direction.、Mm-hmm. And they feel better when they're in these environments. It is the first step, but eventually you got to like graduate from that. And eventually you start to see. The news for what it is, you start to see all this sensationalized stuff going on in the media, you know, and you start to see what's going on like subliminally with advertising and marketing. So, you know, oh, having that awareness, I think, is I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Um, cause it's one of those, and I'm sure I'm influenced way beyond even that I'm aware of, I'm sure, but it's so helpful to have that and knowledge of kind of like, what are they trying to sell me? And exactly like that, that whole concept of like anti-aging was like the best marketing idea ever, right? Something that's happened to you every single second of the day is bad. So if I tell you that, then, oh, but it's okay. Cause there's a product. They literally create a problem and say, but it's okay. Here's a product to solve the problem or like these before and after pictures of people. In the before picture, they're like, oh, life is horrible. And afterwards, they're like, oh, I'm so happy. And it's like, 
Cialis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those things or whatever. Um, but even like then, it's like you see these pictures from before, and sometimes like it's like that person looks fine. Like, why are you? Why do they always have to look a certain way? And there's something about that that I feel like really keeps us as humans really small, and actually really takes our attention. And really, more than anything, actually, I think it is what it does is it it makes our attention much smaller. It harnesses that light to a much smaller diameter so that we're not able, because we're so insecure. Like you think about your attention, you only have so much working memory at one time, so much attention at one time. And if 30, 40% of it is on, does this person think I look this way? Oh no, I don't look good enough like this. Oh da 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 da, then there's no room on in there for me to think about what's actually happening. What's for me to contemplate what this person's actually saying? Like there's, there's only so much room. And I think that that unfortunately is what um, a lot of marketers, because we live in that type of society, they know that if they can harness that, if they can harness these insecurities that they've also created, um, then we'll spend any amount of money to buy a certain product. And we, we, we're stuck in that loop. Because honestly, call it, snowboarding in some ways is what really took me out of that loop. Because we're all in gear. No one knows what gender you are. No one knows anything. You're all just out there equally. And when people started, we started interacting with people in that way, I suddenly was like, wow, I don't feel insecure because it's like no one can see what I look like it was a real I mean literally that it's funny because we didn't talk about it but that those types of things I think really allowed really allowed me to start living more my life like being more present because I wasn't stuck in these huge insecurities that were taught to me over time right and and maybe there's some sort of biological thing in there when we you know are our egos come online as we're yeah, developing and you start to like look oh I have a body and you start looking at other people's mm-hmm. bodies why and, is my body different and, than their body yeah and why they're a different color than I'm my color or whatever and so there's all these separations going on in our minds and then it's you know certain other people's insecurities are feeding that as we like grow up and yeah. and that becomes sort of like our social conditioning and and the funny thing is is like you know, the aspects of that make us like an animal can also make us very human. So, you know, that's why I always make the joke about like hangry and horny. There's nothing like inherently wrong. with. It's totally natural to be horny and, and hangry, you know. And, um, and and so it's like I totally get uh, my drug of choice had I like really dove into it was uh drinking Mm. like holy shit like after a couple of beers like all my inhibitions are gone and i'm like i feel amazing right (laughs) my my ego self-critical part of myself like goes offline i'm like more funny i'm more like i feel like more of myself i have all this energy and then you're like oh shit i feel so amazing i should get more beer you know i should drink more and it's just like and then it goes more is better right and so (laughs) it's it's funny because that association had i like gone there and not actually learned how to get to that place without beer or any other substance Mm. including flow like flow can be uh uh, being a flow junkie it could be another addiction and so um, as much as I love flow, I've mm. also seen it can be very detrimental in my life and other people's lives. So um, on that note, um, any final words that you want to share? Um, I'm sure we're going to have another episode yeah. again. My final words, my final phrase is both and. 
that's that's what I think of it. Like we talk about separations, but both and like it's all it's nothing is bad or good inherently. It's it's all part of it. It's not either or it's both and like if you can if you can bring it back to that, I'm telling you, it'll start changing your the way that you look at things and it'll chart let definitely allowing you to like wait in line a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, it's okay. Like it's, it's all of it. All of it is true. It's this and it's this and it's this. Right. It's not this or this. It's either this or that. No, it's both. It's both. Right. So mm-hmm. like not just the light, not just ascension, but there's dark and descension, mm-hmm. and there's there's like creation and destruction. And there's, you need them both for right? each other. You yeah, can't right? have it. Well, the, the body other. doesn't work unless it has anabolism, right? Anabolic and like catab- catabolic, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it was just one or the other, like one would you would just grow out of control in one level, and then you would actually eat yourself alive on another <laughs> level, right? So yeah, it all comes to that like harmony of those like was seemingly polar opposites yeah i think that 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 of everything (laughs) so silly and so funny but you know at this point in my life i think that that that's the one thing i continually just keep saying on the on the low level both and yeah it's all of it cool how can people uh find you on social media or reach out to you Uh, unfortunately i'm not a big social media person at this point in my life um I think I've got an Instagram. I think it's Flo Pataki. Um, Instagram, F-L-O-P-A-T-A-K-I, I think. Um, I guess that's kind of it. I am on Facebook, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't really use it. Okay. Um, Insta- I mean, I think Instagram's kind of cool. I like the little pictures. You yeah. know, I kind of like that. Um, so if anything I'm going to end up using in the future, it'll probably be, it'll probably be that. It'll probably be Instagram. Okay, cool. We'll go with that. Awesome. Jordana (laughs) Adler, thank you for coming on to Hangry and Horny. Thank you for having me, Tony. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I want to give a big thanks to Jordana Adler. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, all the amazing information on how we can become better human beings and how we can access more flow in our lives with ourselves and with each other. This show is sponsored by DroppinFBomb.com. I want to give a thanks to them for their support. And if you're interested in getting more clean fuel into your diet in the form of nice nut butter fats, go to DroppinFBomb.com. Use the flow code. (laughs) That's a promo code. Use the promo code FLOWREAL. And that's spelled F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L. And I'll give you 20% off of your first order of delicious macadamia-based nut butters. They also have olive oil, avocado oil, and MCT oil. And if you're interested in sporting an awesome t-shirt, they also sell cool merchandise and clothing on fatbomb.com. Or drop an fbomb.com. You pick. Thank you all for your support, for your love, and see you on the next episode of Hangry and Horny Podcast. Peace. <laughs>